How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Good morning! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's time to wake up. <laughs> it's five, and we're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show. Your early morning shot of sports on 95.7 The Game. Come on! Yes, sir. Good morning, family. Stephen Lankford on the pregame show, 95-7 the game, leading you up until 6 o'clock as the morning roast, who have been all in studio all week. It's been fantastic. They'll be coming up at 6 o'clock, but do got a lot to get into until 6 for this next hour. Uh, coming up at 5.15, going to replay Jimmy Garoppolo for you. He was on with Damon Ratto and Kolsky yesterday and wanted to replay some of that interview because he actually had a lot of good stuff to say, and I wanted to condense it all into 10 minutes for you. Uh, so that's coming up at 5.15. There are a couple of things on the internet yesterday that bugged me in sports. And it doesn't necessarily have to do with uh, any Bay Area ties unless you count, you know, Tom Brady is the Bay Area guy and something about Julio Jones uh, happened yesterday on social media that bothered me from a Titans wide receiver. Um, we'll get to that later on. And also Bob Myers, who was on with the morning show yesterday, he had a lot of great stuff to say. And I wanted to react to a couple of things that he mentioned talking about Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Joe Lacob, all of that. So we got a fun hour, a packed hour, Joe the Butcher Boy Shasky. We got a packed hour today on the pregame show. But I did want to start off with the Giants game yesterday. Uh, Huge win. Huge win. 5-4 Five to four over the Diamondbacks, completing the two-game series sweep as they go on to face the Dodgers for four straight games. I, what is this? A Dodger sandwich? You, you go and face the Dodgers over the weekend, then you face the Diamondbacks, and you're back to face the Dodgers. It's tough. It's tough. But last week, after they played the Dodgers, it, it, for me. This was a, a, a game where, or that was a weekend where I was going to look at it and think. All right, they're at that line where, you know, you draw it between whether this is a a team that's just on a hot streak right now to start out the season. We've seen this time and time again with different teams. Or are they a legitimately good team? Now, when they got swept over the weekend, I'm thinking, oh, man, this is where the downfall comes in. But then they get this two-game sweep over the Diamondbacks. And yesterday, whew, (laughs) they did it in... uh, in, in, how should I put it, torture fashion, torture fashion as uh, Johnny Cueto gave up four runs early on in the game in the first couple of innings. Then he settled down for the next three and uh, was out after five. And luckily the Giants relievers were able to get it done. Tyler Rogers got a little hairy there in the ninth inning. And we'll get to all of that and everything that happened. But I do want to... I do want to highlight one specific play in this game. Because when it comes down to it, when you get to the ninth inning and you're only up by one run, I think you could focus on specific plays that happen early in the game that might save a run. And I go back to what happened in the second inning. So 
Johnny Cueto, quite frankly, has not looked good um, since he's come back. He, you know, he he got out of the uh, out of the game, only given up four after the first couple of innings. But really, he hasn't missed many bats. He looked comfortable for those three innings. I'll give him that. But he hasn't been able to avoid that one big inning ever since coming back. Uh, uh, from the injury. I mean, he gave up five earned runs in the first game, only went four innings and gave up a couple earned runs in the second, but he gave up eight hits in those four innings. Uh, the third game against Cincinnati, he was not bad. He gave up only one earned run on five innings pitch and five hits, but this one, he gave up four earned runs on eight hits of five innings of work, and they came early. But um, there was a play, and this was in the second inning. So he gave up the single to Reddick. Gave up the single to Pavin Smith. Then he gave up the single to Nick Abed. I mean, that was just the, the classic two-run two single. Uh, you bring them home as soon as they get on base. Merrill Kelly hits a sack bunt to bunt him over. Then Josh Rojas hits a single and gets two more in so that they could uh, make the score 4 to nothing. But this is where, to me, uh, the game was saved. And there are plenty of other, uh, you know, you can obviously go to what Tyler Rogers did in the ninth and think, yeah, that was the one that saved it. But there was a play by Brandon Crawford at short, and there was only one out at this time. And there's just a runner on second at this point. The Diamondbacks have been hitting guys over, using small ball to get guys around the bases, and just hitting singles. That's all they were doing in that inning. Brandon Crawford, when a ball was hit to short, he was given a fielder's choice and the runner on second he had a he had a possibility of getting to third but here's where it got interesting when Crawford was at short he was at short however everyone was shifted over everyone was shifted over at this point for Ketel Marte so he's the only one on the left side of the field and a ground ball goes straight to him Third base is wide open. There's not even a third baseman there. The guy on second, the runner on second, there's a split decision that has to be made. Crawford can just do the normal thing, get the ground ball, throw the guy out at first, and boom, as the English say, Bob's your uncle, all good. But he didn't want that runner to go over to third. So what he did was he hesitated a little bit, showed the runner on second as soon as he grounded that ball, Showed the runner on second that, hey, I'm cognizant of you right now. I know you're there. Gave him a little hesitation. Showed, like, if you go, I'm going to chase after you. And he managed to hold him on second and then throw a strike to first and get out Marte. Now, I know this may not seem like much, but with two outs and Eduardo Escobar coming up, who's a very good hitter, um, Crawford could have let that guy go to third if he would have just went straight to first. And at that point, Escobar's entire approach to the plate changes. When Cueto's got a guy on third, his approach changes. Everything changes. And you never know what could have happened. He could have given up a hit in that situation. Then they would have gotten home a run and two outs. Possibly uh, Eduardo Escobar would have gotten on, or uh, excuse me, uh, yeah, uh, Eduardo Escobar would have gotten on first. And then I got to run around with two outs again. And you got to start this whole thing over. I just think the outcome of the game could have been completely different um, if Crawford did not make that play. It's the little things that you got to pay attention to when it comes to the wins like this. But the other little things that you have to pay attention to is the fact that the guys who you don't expect to get it done, get it done. And those are the two pinch hitters that came into the game. Uh, Austin Slater was pinch hitting for Alex Dickerson. He had a two-run blast. That Jason Vossler had to come in for Darren Ruff because, unfortunately, Darren Ruff hurt his hamstring going around first after he hit a single, and which which really sucks. He'll be reevaluated today uh, to see what's happening, but it looks like it's a hamstring strain, uh, according to Gabe Kapler. So we'll see what happens with him. But Jason Vossler comes in and also gets a pinch hit home run. Your three biggest RBIs of the night came from pinch hitters. And then Gabe Kapler, after the game, spoke about it and talked about Jason Vossler and getting that home run. Yeah, I know. It, it was an excellent at bat. Obviously fought really hard to stay in and finally get a good good pitch to hit. Uh, I think it's it's notable that when uh, one of our players goes down, 
has to come out of the game. It's it's really really gratifying to see another player step up and 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 get a big hit. So I mean, I'll share this with you. When he hit that home run, uh, Longo was was to my left, and I can't remember the last time I, I heard and saw Longoria so excited. I've seen him have game winning home runs where he wasn't as excited as as he was for for Boston right there. That's how you know how how people feel about uh, one of their teammates. <laughs> I mean, well, it was a big hit. It was a big hit in a big moment and they needed it bad, but they're also going to need Jason Vossler going forward because as mentioned, Darren Ruff hurt himself going around first and it did not look pretty. The trainer had to come out, um take him off of first base. And and it, and it got so bad uh, as far as pinch hitters go that Di Sclafani had to come in in the eighth inning. Struck out, but when one of your starting pitchers has to come in at a, as a pinch hitter, you know something is up. But the question remains what they're going to do at first base when all these guys are getting hurt. And it just feels like it's nonstop. Brandon Belt just goes on the 10-day IL. Wilmer Flores recently went on the 10-day you know, Tommy LaStella, he's gone. So right now, you're just wondering who's going to be taking over that first base position. And if I had to guess what they would do, um, Vossler would be that guy. But at this point in the year, I'm not really afraid of overexerting Buster Posey. I think they've been playing him at a pretty steady pace coming back after a season off and, uh, you know, being the older guy on the team, being the veteran, maybe bringing him in, uh, you know, taking him out after every, what, third game, bringing in Casale, maybe that's helped him on offense, but I'm at the point now where it's every man on deck and Buster Posey, I wouldn't mind him playing first and just having Casale catch out the rest of these games until Brandon Belt comes back. They will switch things up because we know the connection that Buster Posey has with the starting pitchers. But I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Gabe Kapler was inclined to put Posey at first and put Casale in the catcher role at certain points, depending on who the pitcher is. They could do a bunch of different things. They could also just go with Vossler and keep running their catcher rotation with Casale and Posey like they have been doing. Uh, but it's a it, it's a tough task right here for Gabe Kapler. And he was talking about the injuries yesterday, and he says, look, I'm not going to get upset about it. I think we have a team that knows how to pick each other up. I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense to get too bent out of shape about it. I mean, look, rough is a, rough is a big loss for us, and obviously – with Belt having just gone on the IL, it, it makes it even more significant. So I don't want to discount that. At the same time, like we we have to turn the page and, and get ready to to play tomorrow's baseball game with the roster that we have. And and right now, um, it's an exciting opportunity for uh, for Bossler and for others. And so that's what we'll we'll be doing is getting the, those other players ready to ready to perform, step in, and 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 do good work. Yeah, it just really sucks. It it really stinks for Ruff. Um, you know, he hasn't been hitting that great this year, and he hasn't had a hit actually ever since that 19 to 4 win over Cincinnati when he went four for five and was just hitting the crap out of the ball. But yesterday, looking good at the plate yet again, and he gets injured just rounding first. So the injury, the injury bug continues to catch up uh, with the San Francisco Giants. How will they overcome it? We'll see. Uh, it looks like right now. They, they're probably going to have Jason Vossler playing first base. Um, he's going to be your everyday guy. I think that they should have Posey playing first at certain points so you can just have him in the lineup and keep another bat there. Um, you know, I know Brandon Belt isn't a huge loss because he hasn't been terrific this season, but Wilmer Flores and Brandon Belt, when you need when you lose those two bats right there, you need to bring someone else into the lineup, and Posey has been their hottest hitter this year, so I think they're going to need him as much as possible at this point in the season. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. Coming up next, in case you missed it, going to replay Jimmy Garoppolo, 49ers quarterback, who was on with Damon Ratto and Kolsky yesterday. So we'll get to him next. And we got plenty more in store for the rest of this hour here on the pregame show. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody, on this Thursday on 95.7 The Game.
Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. That's why I wait for it. You slide on all your nice like this. Man, Frank Ocean would be insulted if he heard that. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero is the text line and the phone number. Stephen Lakeford in with you up until six o'clock. Shout out to the Giants for getting that five four win over the Diamondbacks. It was a huge win after getting swept by LA over the weekend. You got the two-game series sweep over the Diamondbacks. You prove that you can beat some of these teams that are mediocre but possibly good. So you have proven that you can beat them. Let's just see what happens when they get that four-game set against the Dodgers coming up this weekend. Um, But Jimmy Garoppolo, he was on with Damon Ratto and Kolsky yesterday. And I wanted to replay the interview for you just in case you missed it. And the first question that they asked right out of the shoot is, you know, as quarterbacks with you and Trey Lance, you are micro-analyzed to the point where we're watching every throw, even if it's in training camp. And they just asked him what it's like to be micro-analyzed like that. Uh, well, that's, uh, that's the life of an NFL quarterback, I guess. It's, uh, it kind of comes with the territory. <laughs> no doubt. It, it comes with the territory, and I think about – how many different lives you have lived since becoming the 49ers starter? You know, from, from, from the trade to cast as savior to the surgery to the Super Bowl to the injury and now to the draft pick being in the room behind you. It's a long football life led in just a small handful of seasons, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's kind of one of those things that, you know, I, I, thankfully I'm pretty even keeled. So, uh, throughout all of it, you know, you just kind of have to stay right down the middle for all of it. You can't get too high, can't get too low. You know, and, uh, you know, I have friends and family who talk about all, all types of different things that happen in the media, whatever's happening uh, in the organization. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's, uh, you just got to keep your mind right. You know, stay focused on what's important and what you can control. Slightly different circumstances, obviously, but uh, you were drafted to play behind a guy with a bit of Super Bowl experience at one point in your career. So what, what, can you take from your experience in New England behind Tom Brady and sort of apply it to being on the other side of that equation with Trey? Uh, I think a big part of it, you know, Tom, uh, Tom never did anything that wasn't him. You know, he was just himself. He didn't, uh, you know, try to do anything that was fake and, and something that would be weird to me. So that's kind of the approach I'm taking with Trey and the rest of the QBs too. You know, it's, um, I don't know, we're around each other so many hours of the day and, so consistently that you really can't fake it because guys are going to see right through it. So the relationship between me and Trey, it's, it's been good so far. Uh, I think it'll keep growing as, as time goes, but you know, it's just uh, one of those things you got to take it day by day. Jimmy, I moved here from Chicago. I've followed you since you were at Eastern. I know how competitive of a guy you are. Was there ever a point when Lynch and Shanahan told you what they were going to do I know what they've said publicly, but did you ever think, you know what, I am done with the Niners because of this move? You know, it, it, I mean, you get all types of thoughts in your head when <laughs> you get it in that initial call, and uh, you know, you don't, you're trying to make sense of it yourself, and you're trying to put all the pieces together, but one thing that I really appreciated when John called me, we were talking it out, and he was explaining the whole situation, and you know, the first thing I asked him, I was like, John, is there a chance for me to compete this year? That's all I really wanted to know, and he was very straightforward with me. He was like, absolutely. So once I got that uh, nod, I guess you could say, I was ready to go. And so it's, uh, you know, competition in the NFL and especially on your own team is always a good thing. It's going to push guys, you know, whenever we could bring someone a good player and you want to do it. So it's just one of those things you got to, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm competitive as I get. I might not show it all the time, but, you know, inside it's definitely there. And you just got to go take it on the field and go do what you do. Jimmy, you've said it yourself, the NFL is a crazy business. What's it like working for a company knowing that they've already hired your replacement? <laughs> it's, uh, like I said before, initially it's um, every thought, every uh, scenario you can imagine is running through your head, uh, especially when there's unknowns and everything. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I always try to, con- try to focus on what I can control because, you know, there's a million different things that are going on that are being said. You don't know what's true, what's not, and it's just kind of one of those things. You just got to uh, you got to stay focused on on you and 
you know, I think by doing that, it makes the whole team better. Jimmy Garoppolo joins us here on 95.7 The Game. In any way, shape, or form, does it make the mission a little bit more clear instead of muddy? I mean, it's real simple. Win, stay healthy, keep the job. Go to the Super Bowl. I, th- I think you're the, th- the quarterback. You know what I mean? Like it's it, this is a win right now, no excuses league. And you know, here it is. Everything that you were brought in to do is still in front of you. You can still accomplish all of it, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think it's uh, like you said, kind of the NFL is a "what have you done for me lately" type of league. And you know, with the injuries and, and things like that that I've had to deal with, it's just. Um, you know, you try to flush those and, and get rid of it as quick as you can and just move on. And, you know, you want, like, me, for me, example, I want to get to this next season as soon as possible. So, you know, you could get back out on the field with the guys and, you know, just uh, get back into some normalcy, I guess you would say. You know, I'm not, I'm not used to being injured like this. It, it really sucks. It's not fun at all. And so it's just one of those things you got to, uh, you know, there's some things you can control and some you can't, but whatever I could do to prevent the injuries. That's what I've been doing. Is your relationship with Kyle Shanahan strong, getting stronger, getting icier? Is it more business and, and less camaraderie than before, or or is it the same still? Uh, it, it hasn't changed much. I would say uh, you know, it's one of those things that we have what, five quarterbacks in the room right now, so you know, there's coaching going on all over the place. But uh, you know, Kyle's pretty, pretty much the same guy every day. You know what you're going to get, and uh, you appreciate him for that, but yeah, not not too much has changed on that on that road. All right, I'm going away from the office politics direction. Uh, just for you, on a personal level, what what was the biggest focus of your off season? You know, do you do you go off and try to add something to your game? Like, what what are you working on? Uh, well, there's a number of things. Every off season, I try to make some goals for myself. I uh, tried to move some weight around. My weight's about the same, but you know, tried to put it in different spots. Try to stay a little healthier. Uh, always working on trying to learn the offense better and just the ins and outs of it, the little things, the details that go with it. And I think it's, uh, you know, there's a, there's a million, there's a long list of things, but whenever, uh, whenever you get the time in the off season to sit down and kind of focus on yourself a little bit away from the facility, I think it's always a good thing. Jimmy, how is the ankle? Oh, the ankle's good. I really haven't worried about that in a couple months now. So it's, uh, yeah, thankfully that's back to normal. It makes things a lot easier. <laughs> George Kittle, you know, he talks about you so glowingly. So many of your your teammates do. Uh, nobody carries your torch quite like he does. I mean, he brings up the chin line very, very often. What does it mean to still have the, the locker room firmly in Camp Garoppolo? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, just speaking for myself, I, that, that's the biggest part for me. You now you, uh, Those are the guys that you're going to battle with, you're going to war with, and they're in the huddle with you looking, you know, you're looking them in the eyes, they're looking you in the eyes. It's kind of, uh, you know, those guys have always had my back and and they still do, and I really appreciate them for that. You know, those guys have been awesome, and it's just, uh, you know, as long as I got the locker room behind me, I I feel like I'm in a good spot. Speaking of the guys in the huddle, a big new face in that huddle is the guy hiking the ball to you and Alex Mack. What's that relationship like? And and what is it like in general adjusting to a new center? How different is it center to center? Uh, It's it's definitely different. You know, each, uh, I'm sure it's like catching a ball from a quarterback. It's just everyone's a little uh, different in how they do it. But me and Alex, we've uh, we've only had a couple days together, but it's been phenomenal. Really has. He's an awesome dude. Really funny. Uh, it's nice to just have a, a vet that, you know, you could kind of lean on a little bit. I've actually been picking his brain about just, you know, things that him and Matt Ryan did in Atlanta. And, you know, the guy's been, he's been around for a little while, so he's got some uh, information up there that you could use. <laughs> Jimmy, I'm curious. You mentioned your f- friends and family keeping track of everything for you. The night of the draft when they make the pick, we heard that you texted Trey. Where do you go immediately after? Where do you go to process everything that just happened? What'd you do? Uh, well, it was. I would say I was. I was in a good state of mind going into the draft. You know, I knew what the situation was and everything. Just didn't know who it was going to be. But um, you know, I, I was with my brothers watching it. We were out in uh, out in our house out here in California, and I don't know. It was just. Um, I guess the processing more so happened before the draft. If that makes sense, it was more so just waiting on see who they picked. I guess. Were you leaning? any particular way of the three look at it this way did did they pick the right quarterback <laughs> i mean we brought in your guy nate sudfeld right that was the that's that's indiana guy you're talking there you go uh, he knows how to play. now he's now he's a friend of the program oh boy here we go you know what 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> the fight song. There it is. Need to find the Eastern there. Illinois fight song immediately. Uh, <laughs> another guy I've... I've want to ask you about because the the hype train has been very real but as fans and media we've only seen him in one preseason game is Jalen Hurd we're we're hearing he's healthy now is is that a guy you feel like is a big part of the offense this season man I I sure hope so Jay Jay's uh he's come a long way he really has in his route running just developing his body and you know becoming a pro I mean the guy he he does it the right way and it's been uh you know, I'm, I'm dying to get him out there right now. I really am. He's, he's such a physical freak, just the things he could do in his route running with the ball in his hand. It's, uh, it's very impressive. And so, so hopefully we'll get to put those on display, get him out there as soon as possible. If you were looking at your phone and you see the name Shannon Sharp appear on it, would you answer it? <laughs> uh, is that a trick question or something? Do you, well, do you know what happened with the whole Julio Jones thing? Oh, yeah, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, so if you see Shannon Sharp is calling, would you even answer that call? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, why not? I, th- I think it would be a good conversation. <laughs> it might be live on the air, and then you might not know about it, I guess would be the exactly. point. Yeah, that, that, that could be the tricky part there. So <laughs> you got to maybe text him first. If I ask you about Julio Jones, is that tampering? Do I get you in trouble if I do that? Uh, he's a hell of a receiver, man. He really is. Uh, I'll leave it at that, though. Probably. I don't want to take it too far. There you go. That is Jimmy Garoppolo on with Damon, Ratto, and Kolsky. Uh, you can catch the rest of that interview at odyssey.com. Um, before I get to what I'm going to get to next, because it's going to get a little wacky, because talking, speaking of Julio Jones, there's something that happened on social media yesterday that kind of irked me when it came to this Julio Jones and uh, players trying to recruit him, because a guy on the Tennessee Titans yesterday posted a TikTok, and it irked me. It irked me. So I do want to get into that next, and it's going to be kind of a, you know a funky segment. But um do just want to say that, you know, I am doing sports radio right now, and I think I can speak for uh, a lot of people at 95.7 The Game here. Um, But we are thinking of the family members and friends of the nine victims who were killed yesterday in San Jose in that just senseless act of uh, gun violence at the VTA VTA transit system. Because, um, you know, me being a Bay Area guy, uh, grew up in Alameda County a majority of my life. Live uh, live in Santa Clara County now. Have been doing that for you know only a few months, but uh, man, just seeing that yesterday, it was just terrible. So um, we're thinking of everybody, and you know, it's not just uh, the victims here of the uh, 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 for the nine victims that uh, fell uh, to gun violence yesterday in San Jose, but just to everybody who knows someone that has fallen victim to gun violence. Just a terrible thing that happened yesterday, and you know, even though we have fun and we're trying to provide some sports entertainment for you we are doing that while thinking of you uh in san jose so just wanted to get that out there uh coming up next i do want to get to this thing on social media with the julio jones recruiting and what happened tom brady and his social media in air quotes plus some stuff that happened in the nba playoffs with some fans and the wizards and the and the knicks it's just it's just all so much. We got a lot to talk about in the final half hour here. Steven Lightford in with you, 95.7 The Game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Final half hour on this Thursday on the pregame show. Stephen Langford in with you. The morning roast will be on in 23 minutes. I do want to talk about social media and just the impact that it has on the sports world. Uh, But also, we got some fan interference, intervening, whatever you want to call it. Just fans who should be banned, quite frankly, for what they did during yesterday's NBA playoffs. And I'm sure you've heard about it, but we'll get to it. Uh, It happened with Russell Westbrook with the Wizards game. And then later on, it was posted. This this didn't go out on social media, but it was posted that something happened to Trey Young during that Knicks game yesterday. So we will get into that. 
But yesterday on social media, which one do I even, which one do I start out with? Which one do I start out with? You know what? I'll start out with Tom Brady. I'll start out with Tom Brady here. So Tom Brady, of course, the match was announced yesterday. You're going to be getting Tom Brady and Brooks Kepka versus Aaron Rodgers and Bryson DeChambeau. And they're going back and forth on Twitter. But the person to start all this Twitter trash talking and everything was, in air quotes, Tom Brady. And you've heard me complain about this before. And when you've waited at 888-957-9570, when you've waited on the text line, you're like, Steven, why are you letting this bother you? I don't know. It just does. I can't help it. But when Tom Brady, he posts a meme yesterday of... Brooks Kepka and him rolling his eyes when Bryson DeChambeau is walking by. That is currently the new meme that's going around on social media. If you haven't seen the video yet, I recommend you check it out. But Tom Brady posted a meme from his Twitter account, and the meme was Kepka rolling his eyes, and the caption says Aaron Rodgers. And then with uh, DeChambeau walking in the background, the caption over DeChambeau is, the Packers kicking a field goal down seven. So Tom Brady posted it. It's a little dig at Aaron Rodgers. But here's what gets me, and this has irked me ever since the Super Bowl win. Tom Brady does not post these things to his social media. We all, you know, I, I get so frustrated because these insiders, you know, Adam Schefter, he tweeted out, the GOAT already is very much into the match. It's like, he didn't make that. He doesn't know how to make memes. Does Tom Brady seem like a big meme guy? No. He has a social media team. Um, you know what? Maybe he has his Twitter and, you know, they just send him the photo and they say, hey, just post this real quick. We've taught you how to post it. Do you remember how to do that, Tom? You post that little quill thing in the bottom corner and then you type out a new tweet and then you could add pictures by clicking this button and just add that one that we've saved into your phone. I, I, I just think, man, when I'm, when I'm seeing all of this stuff and I go to USA Today and one of the headlines is Tom Brady posts hilarious babe getting you ready for the match. It's like, for the 650, this is, this is hilarious. You're telling me, what does it matter? Who's posting? Yeah, I mean, dude, I, I don't know, but it's not Tom Brady. And everyone posting on Twitter, man, Tom Brady, not only the goat of football, but the goat of social media. Not only the goat of football, but the goat of social media. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. I mean, come on. I mean, this whole thing, it's just, it happened with the Super Bowl, too. It happened with the Super Bowl, and he posts all these videos and makes it seem like Tom Brady is posting stuff, but he's not even holding the camera. <laughs> it's just, these are the little things that irk me. And maybe it's because it's Tom Brady, and he's just so damn good at what he does, better at football than anything that I'll personally be in my entire life. Maybe there's a little hint of jealousy in there. Okay, not a hint, a little more than that. It's, it's a lot of jealousy, but... I just can't stand it when it's just, Tom Brady is hilarious on social media. No, he's not. His intern is. Whoever's working for him. This dude's Tom Brady. He doesn't have time for Twitter. doesn't have time for all of that. Although I will say, there are some of those funny videos that he posts where he just absolutely trolls everybody. And he gets guys like me to go off on sports radio at 5 in the morning. Oh, man. This is what he wants. This is what he wants. He's getting what he wants. The other thing on social media here that got me yesterday, talking about the recruitment of Julio Jones. Now, you heard it at the end there with Garoppolo. For one, thought it was very interesting on DRK yesterday, hearing him talk up Jalen Hurd and just how much of a physical freak he is. Okay, well, show it on the field and show that you could stay on the field and at least get there uh, past the preseason. Then I'll start looking forward to it. But it is good that he's healthy right now, looks healthy, and he's looking stronger and, and, and bigger and looking to come back and finally make a name for himself in the NFL. And that's actually a, a, it's going to be a cool story to follow if he remains healthy. I'm really looking forward to that. But Julio Jones, of course, has been talked about. And maybe this is just me being in the Bay Area, surrounding myself by Bay Area people on, uh, on Twitter 
being on sports radio within the Bay Area. But somehow, anytime a big name like this gets brought up, and we're going to continue to talk about it in basketball, dead serious, if the Jazz would have lost to the Grizzlies last night, I would have been coming in here talking about Donovan Mitchell even possibly coming to the Warriors because of because he'd be disgruntled. But they're tied 1-1 now, so I wasn't going to come in talking about that. But I do want to say that A.J. Brown from the Tennessee Titans, he clearly wants Julio to come along to the Titans, and it could be a good fit. And yesterday, he posted a TikTok. Now, I don't have a problem with TikTok. I don't use it. Um, You know, I have enough apps on my phone already. I do enough scrolling on Instagram and Twitter. I don't need to add another social media app just to scroll through, especially since the way they hook you is that they just continue to play videos nonstop. Even though you've watched one, you can't even repeat it, which is just annoying. But... TikTok is being used by a lot of these players now. And A.J. Brown from the Titans, wide receiver, star wide receiver, going to be incredibly good in the future. He's he's already awesome right now. Uh, he currently wears number 11 for the Titans. And in this video, he crossed out, he wore a number 11 shirt and he crossed it out with tape and wrote number 8 on it. And this is what A.J. Brown did on his TikTok to recruit Julio Jones. And just to preface this, on TikTok, you could do this thing where you make it so your background is like a completely different picture. Well, he put a picture of Tannehill, Derrick Henry, himself, and then Julio Jones added to the mix. So picture that. This is A.J. Brown trying to recruit Julio Jones. I'm going to sell you on some things right here. Listen, I haven't even been, been released yet. Okay, I'm going to sell you on some things right here. Listen to me closely. You have 10 of you. Mr. Finger Roll himself every time. Eric Hill. Listen, he does what he needs to be done. Like, he's a leader. He's a great passer. He's it. Anyway, next. Him behind me. Superhuman. We don't even have to discuss him. He speaks for himself. Look how mean he look in the picture. Like, okay. Then me. I'm up and coming. Pro Bowl year two. Not a big deal. Kind of a big deal, but not really. Okay, scratch that. Anyway, whatever. You. The GOAT of our era. The, of our receivers. Help me help you. Come home, Leo. Come home. So, okay. Kind of entertaining when you're watching the video, but you hear just the sound of that. I mean, for one, that just reeks desperation of bringing Julio Jones over there. But here's what I thought about it when I saw it. My initial thought, first off, was wow, that was, was kind of weak. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, first off, you're posting a TikTok and you're just posting it to social media. This is the most millennial recruitment of a player that I've ever seen. Ever. And I'm a mille- I'm 27 years old. I know what a millennial is, trust me. This is the most millennial recruitment I've ever seen. Why doesn't he do it the way us millennial males and females for that matter try to get after the opposite sex? The way that we do that? Maybe send a DM Try and get a number from a friend, you know, if you have an acquaintance and you have a connection. But don't post a TikTok about it on Twitter for the whole world to see. Can't he find a number on Julio Jones? Isn't he friends with any guys on the Falcons that may have his number? Does he have Shannon Sharp's number? I don't know. Shannon Sharp clearly has Julio Jones just straight up in his contact list. But when I saw this, I thought, you know what? I think that that just checked a team off the list for guys where uh for for teams where Julio can go. I, I I look, I do think he'd want to go to the AFC and the Titans would be a great team to go to cuz AJ Brown, he's a fantastic wide receiver. A great wide receiver. One of the best deep threats deep threats in the league. One of the most underrated as well. Tannehill Tannehill's looked like a good quarterback ever since going to Tennessee. I don't really know what to make of that. It's crazy the resurgence that he had. Derrick Henry is Derrick Henry. We know about that, right? And they've had a pretty good offensive line. But when I, if I'm seeing a player post that on TikTok instead of possibly just sending me a personal message, now maybe he did send him a personal message and we don't know about it, but if I had to guess the way to get a Hall of Fame wide receiver, a Hall of Famer, a future Hall of Famer who's in his early 30s. I don't know if the way to do that would to be posting a TikTok on social media. All right, there you go. I've ranted on and on for 
10 minutes on things that bothered me on social media yesterday. I'm telling you, Tom Brady, he's not posting anything. Stop making it out to be like that. The headline. I'm telling you, that headline, when I saw Tom Brady post hilarious meme from Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau, I'm like, what? What are you talking about? All right. Uh, I do want to get to what happened last night because we did have some NBA playoff games. And uh, to be honest, the Knicks-Hawks matchup, this series, um, now that it's uh, split 1-1, but I'd put Lakers and Suns as the most watchable series for me, the the ones that are appointment television. I'd put the Lakers-Suns series there at number one. I hate the way that the Lakers play, but look, if LeBron and Anthony Davis uh, were healthy for a majority of the season and actually wanted to stay in the game for a majority of the regular season, they'd probably be right at the top of the Western Conference standings. So we're actually getting a first-round matchup uh, that could have been, that still could be, a Western Conference Finals matchup. But these two teams weren't supposed to meet till later on in the playoffs. However, they are meeting now. And that is the series for me. That's appointment television. But number two has slowly turned into uh, Hawks versus Knicks. And maybe that's just because they've been at Madison Square Garden. Uh, the the booing that all takes place. And, you know, as soon as Trey Young gets the ball, it's just... It's a terrible boo. Let me, let me, let me, get, let me get one ready here. Yeah, all right. Yeah, exactly. But as soon as Trey Young got the ball, every time, MSG. <laughs> so you have that. And it was a very entertaining game yesterday. The Hawks kind of took over in the first half because the Knicks couldn't score. But after a little bit, the Knicks played some good defense, uh, got some score from Derrick Rose. Alec Burks has actually been fun to watch uh, in that series. But the Knicks ended up taking Game 2 at Madison Square Garden. But there were a couple of instances that happened, and we'll get back to what went on in the Hawks and the Knicks. But this is what made the rounds on social media, and this is what... Uh, this is what, you know, caused the push notifications on Bleacher Report and ESPN. But it was when Russell Westbrook left the game with an ankle injury. The Sixers and Wizards, to me, as far as appointment playoff television right now, it's in last place. I have, I really don't have much interest in watching that series. The Wizards might take it for a first half, but in the end, the 76ers are going to uh, uh, win these games, and I, I just don't think it's a very watchable series. But we saw an instance where a disgusting idiot fan threw popcorn onto Russell Westbrook as he's leaving the game with an ankle injury. And my initial thing with this is find that guy, ban him for life. Get him out of there. We don't need, like, we are just getting fans back. You know, MSG is proving right now. I mean, I I, I don't know what the capacity is. They said 21,000. It even looks like more than that. It looks like a damn full stadium, you know, a, a full arena. And we're just getting fans back. And what happened to Westbrook yesterday was a brutal reminder as to the way that some fans can act. And here's Russell Westbrook after the game giving a very honest answer about fans and how they do need to be better. Had you ever had any problems in Philly before specifically? Um, yeah, I mean, I had problems here uh, before. A fan okay. uh, flicked me off early in my, maybe a couple years ago here. But I don't know, you know, like I said, as players, and obviously if you're a good player and people want to, bash you for whatever reason that is I don't mind it I don't mind the trash talk of you know whether it's Westbrook suck Westbrook you can't shoot Westbrook you can't do that that's all great but once you cross the line you start mentioning families you start mentioning derogatory things you start to pour popcorn and all that like to me it's crossing the line and that's where it has to stop like the sports and the you know everybody loves the sport and oh you know screaming and that's all great Keep it sports. I'm okay with that. But once you cross that line, and now I have to, I have to, you know, protect my well-being, protect uh, my family, protect, you know, uh, you know, the, the things that I've worked for. So, but at the same time, I got to be smart, you know, and it's, that's where the protection needs to come in because I can't go into the stands and, you know, because obviously now I will be the one, to, you know, get the consequences. So, the protection has to be. At a high, at a high rate, especially with fans coming back into the arena, uh, whether the security they hire, whether it's the security when you walk in on the tunnel, because 
Yeah, at some point, yeah, you know, as we've seen in, in the years past, you know, at some point, a player, things may happen. You, you're trying to prevent that, especially for the near future. And this happens to Westbrook a lot. And I think the reason that this does happen, I mean, for one, again, this, this fan needs to be gone banned for life and I don't know what they could do to fix this issue because Westbrook's talking about security how is security supposed to tell like hey you know you have popcorn make sure you don't throw that like it's because there are idiot fans that you cannot control especially ones like that in that game yesterday but this happens to Westbrook a lot because on the court he doesn't have any friends and this is why he's such a great teammate. If you read up on anyone who's uh, been teammates with Russell Westbrook before, they will say that when he's on your team, I go back to guys like Enos Cancer, who played with him in Oklahoma City. I heard him on the Real Ones podcast with Logan Murdoch and Ro- Logan Murdoch and Roger Bell. They asked about the relationship with Russell Westbrook, and he's he's saying, "Man, he is the best teammate." ever. He was my favorite teammate when I was on OKC with him because he does not have any friends on the court. He's as as competitive as anyone else. And fans take that as hatred and for some reason decide to do stuff like this. Again, this isn't the first time this has happened to Westbrook. The reason why he said, you know, fans start talking about the family and making derogatory comments. That's what's happened to Westbrook in the past. I don't know how this can stop I, I really don't. Um, it's it you you, you got to ban this dude for sure. But fans, be better. I, I I haven't really seen that too much in San Francisco. You know, this is happening in Philadelphia, um, and so we obviously know how Philadelphia fans are. I mean, they'll boo Santa Claus at the football at the football stadium for God's sake. But look, just seeing this yesterday, we're just starting to get fans back. I don't know. Just stop taking sports so seriously, damn it. This dude didn't do anything to you. And you're winning. It's like, it's like, what else are they supposed to do here? And speaking of which, um, this followed up, and this didn't really make the rounds because this was kind of inadvertent and you didn't really see it because you're not seeing a rain of popcorn go down on him. But this kind of got lost in yesterday's game with the Hawks versus the Knicks. But... Trey Young was on the sideline about to inbounds the ball. And you could see, you don't see the specific fan, but you can see a a, a hawk of spit going toward Trey Young. Uh, Spit! In these times, during during a pandemic, this needs to stop. (laughs) Like, I, I don't know how else to put it. As a solo host here... You know, not having anyone else to react to off of this, I don't know what else to say besides this all needs to end because, you know, sure, these athletes are getting paid millions of dollars, and sure, it is entertainment, but that doesn't mean, as fans, you could trash talk, you know? Trevor Bauer in San Francisco, I was at that game on Friday night. You know, I had the Warriors and Grizzlies on my phone, and you know, you're like looking over at the next section trying to find other Warrior fans who are watching it. I had, I had, a, I had a couple of guys who were in a group who were watching it both on their phones, and we were all reacting to each other uh, from a, a section across. But when Trevor Bauer is doing the sword celebration, and he's waving to people at the end as they're booing him when he makes his way off the mound, giving him a, can you hear more? That's fun. That's enjoyable. That's what being at a sporting event is all about, right? You could cheer, you could boo, you could do all those things, but when you make it personal, that's when you got to draw the line. And this fan, I hope they also find this fan from MSG too, because that's just as bad. Um, But you need to find these guys, get them out, and that way you can weed them out. I don't know how it's done I really don't. I'm not. I'm not going to act like I'm like a like a pro at fan security or or, or player security. I'm sure they they're, they're figuring out some sort of way to do it. But you know, Adam Silver. I think he's been a great commissioner for the NBA. But he needs to make a move on this pronto because it feels like in basketball this happens more there than in any other sport. Just because you're in such close proximity to the players. Again, booing, cheering. That's all fun. Being at that game on Friday with Trevor Bauer walking off the mound, that was fun. You know, 
I mean, sure, people were swearing at him in the second deck when I was in the nosebleeds, as I'm swearing about the Warriors and Grizzlies game. I'm not directing that anger towards Trevor Bauer. But, man, sports are supposed to be fun, you know? And then when fans go and do stuff like this, it just ruins it uh, for everybody. All right. Whew. The Giants got a four-game series coming up against the Dodgers tonight. We talked about it in the beginning of the show, but this was a win, 5-4, to four, which was huge. Huge. Because with this Giants team, look, I don't know if they are a quote-unquote good team within baseball right now. I don't. But they're creeping toward that, and they're at a point where if the starting pitcher is giving up a crooked amount of runs early in the game, I have faith that the lineup can get it done. It's just up to the starters to not let that linger and for the bullpen to keep a minute and for some good defense to be played. I have faith that the offense will come back and get it done because it's it, it's always with these different guys. You know, the other day it was with Evan Longoria getting a big three-run home run. Brandon Crawford with the bases clearing, uh, with the bases clearing double there against the Diamondbacks. You know, big names getting that done. But then yesterday, when Austin Slater and Jason Vosler both come in as pinch hitters and get home runs back to back, a two-run home run for Austin Slater and then a solo shot for Vosler to take the lead. I don't like at least. They are a watchable team. That's all I will say because beforehand, man, you remember when they get down by crooked runs, you'd feel like they have no chance of coming back. So they start the four-game series against the Dodgers as they yet again get tested against the NL West. All right, coming up next, the morning roast with Bonte Hill, Kate Scott, and Joe the Butcher Boy Shasky. They are going to be joined by Tim Roy at 815 and Jerry Hairston. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas Phoenix, and Rhode Island. Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.